What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 7 DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Mr. John Daigle. This is episode 228. Daigle, how you feeling this week, buddy? Doing well. Uh, I am admittedly terrified of the slate. I know most DFS shows start and everyone comes on with, oh, excited for football this week. Lots of injuries. We're going to have a great week or whatever. Allow me to be the person like this is why you come to the DFS MVP for me to be a realist. And it's because like there are too many good plays this week. I don't know exactly what I'm doing yet. So I'm excited to talk about it with you to try to hone down a pool of Literally, like just look at running backs, 15 good running backs. I don't know what we're doing this week, TJ. I have no idea. Yeah, luckily for, for this show's purposes, um, I, I think a lot of the values are quite obvious as far as narrowing down our entire player pool. I agree with you there. Uh, there, there are lots of angles we can go, um, but we also don't have a situation where we're going to have to try to figure out if we're playing or fading a 25% Josh Allen and all those bills. So it, it is a little more wide open in that sense. You could be a little more creative, um, but but I do think it is going to be a, um, a week where we are figuring things up until kickoff on Sunday, especially with a couple of injuries uh, lingering. Uh, but before we start talking about the slate, just reminding everybody that if you have not signed up for 4 for 4 DFS subscription yet, price dropped down to $74 for the rest of the season. $99 was that original price. We go through Super Bowl, so make sure you get signed up for that so you could get access to the Discord that we're always talking about leading up to Sunday morning. Uh, but as always... When we start the show, we talk about the one thing that is kind of hanging over our head. We call it the decision point, the big uh, thing that is going to determine how and why we are building our lineups this week. What is that to you this week? Everyone knows I usually play mid to high stakes single entries. And mm -hmm. so my job, literally, what I get paid to do is show up and dwindle down my player pool and give people a reason to eliminate mostly what the field is confident in. Having said that, there are so many good plays this week, TJ. I think it's literally the first time in my life I'm struggling to eliminate who to play. Uh, I want to play everyone, and that is a major issue. So I'm coming to you and asking, we 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 know values, but also we, we also know in tournaments, values to an extent don't matter. We want ceilings. And so yep. who are we how are we dwindling this pull down? Like, where are we eliminating? Is the unique way, like last week, remember, when there were four chalk running backs and the winners of tournaments instead just flexed wide receiver. That was the unique way to go. You still have to pick the right players, but they flexed wide receiver. Is that, again, what's happening this week since there are twelve, literally 10 to 12 great running backs to play? I don't know how to dwindle down this player pool since everyone's an amazing play. Well, one play multiple slates so that gives you that that kind of like lets yeah. you have, always your have answer auto, yeah. have ad, have automatic access just to like like their players that you can and can't play if you play uh multiple slates which i've been doing a lot this this year luckily early slate uh early only slate has been been saving my my butt and my bankroll um i i think it kind of ties into the thought that i had looking at this slate and it goes into um maximizing leverage and not just looking for specific leverage points but but i think when we have a slate where there there are a lot of good spots but there also is going to be some mega chalk 
and looking for the leverage opportunities, not where we just have a price pivot off the player or not just where we have a, a popular player um, in a game and, and you could play one of his teammates, but we could kind of combine those things or get multiple leverage opportunities from it. So f- let, let's take, for example, and I, I think this can definitely change, but um, the two big names in terms of popularity are going to be C.D. Lamb and um, Josh Jacobs. Right now we have, and I, I do think that the Cowboys-Lions um, game could get steamed quite a bit, but as as of right now, the projections on the outside of CD are pretty low. So if you pivot off of CD and say you play um, Ezekiel Elliott by himself, you're really only getting leverage off of CD Lamb. Whereas if you look at the say the Raiders Texans game, we have Josh Jacobs is going to be very chalky. In addition to that, Darren Waller is ruled out right before we get on this podcast officially ruled out, which we kind of expected. But now Foster Moreau probably ends up up there with Greg Dolchich in terms of, of ownership, Foster Moreau ends up being pretty popular. On the other side, Brandon Cooks might get popular. Damian Pierce is a very good value. So we have four popular players, a game that's late, a game that could get, um, you know, that, that could be maybe the most popular on the slate. If you play someone like a Devontae Adams, you have um, maximum leverage on multiple guys. So I think rather than just thinking in terms of, uh, of being contrarian, um, like what does the contrarian plays get you? And when, when it, can leverage yourself against a lot of players, right? Like say, if you only play Devontae and he's the one that goes off in that game and everybody's playing Pierce Cooks, um, Josh Jacobs, and Foster Moreau, you're leapfrogging a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying that like in every spot you only play one leverage play, um, but but that helps you narrow down the ideas really quick, right? And then um, also, I mean, like we just have that we have to take stands every single week, especially uh, especially if you are going to to play. Um, you know, single entry or, or three of max. I mean, even if you're playing 150 max, you have to take stands, but look at some of these games and, and look where, where can they go wrong? And and something that stands out to me this week, like something like the Bengals game where the Bengals have a pretty high implied point total, the over under is fine. And they they have some values in T Higgins, a lot of stacks we're going to want to play in um, Joe Burrow and Jamar chase. On the other side of that, the Falcons play super slow. We've seen them slow down a lot of teams. They're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna try to control the ball. Can they do that? Um, we're not sure. But there is, there are kind of like clear narratives and clear pointers to a game like that where it can really, really slow down compared to, um, you know, the the Chargers Seahawks. It's going to be pretty tough to write a script where that game gets slowed down. So, I, I think we have to find spots where we can. We can find, maybe think backwards instead of looking for the ceiling. Where can we really see these obvious floor scenarios? And maybe that could help us kind of uh, start weeding out some of these plays that might seem okay on the surface, uh, but can really bottom us out. And I wonder if when Christian McCaffrey, we think he'll play Mm -hmm. limited, sprinkling plays, not enough to be useful in DFS, but enough to be a nuisance. I wonder if his uh, uh, hinted usage is enough to maybe take people off of a little bit. George Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. And so maybe we actually get best exposure towards those players because everyone's scared McCaffrey's going to take their targets. Uh, that's an, also an afternoon game, so it's very important. Right now it's just, man, there's just so, so, so many good players. When, as you mentioned, only two players really are checking in with 30-plus percent ownership. Right now, it's only Friday morning but, or Friday afternoon. But Josh Jacobs, C.D. Lamb are the only two players we're worried about. So that's kind of where I'm at right now on Friday. 
do um you said do these guys get get bumped down like um like like the 49ers because of CMC and that that's another thing to think about when we are um narrowing down our player pool and you probably you hear this all over the industry but what do you win um when when you hit right so if right. You're, if you're playing raiders and texans everywhere even if that game goes off and you have you know three three chalky guys which i don't think most tournament players will do but just for for argument's sake you're still not getting ahead of the field where if you play the the Niners and the Chiefs where that game makes sense that it can go off because the Niners have a lot of good values. The Chiefs are just a ceiling team because of Mahomes and Kelsey by themselves. Um, you 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 leapfrog a lot of opponents if that game hits, if nobody's going to play it. So thinking thinking in terms like that, I think help us narrow down our player pool. Um, but uh, but yeah, we got a lot of work to do. We literally, um, you know, it's become a running joke on this show that I always just yell. Uh, we'll leave it for the discord, but literally, <laughs> yeah. literally we're going to leave it for the discord Sunday morning. Cause like I need another 48 hours to kind of dwindle these decisions down because we can only play three running backs. There are again, 18. Um, we have to, we have to dwindle quarterbacks down and like, we're not going to talk about these guys in depth today, but Matt Ryan, Geno Smith are also amazing pay down plays around Jimmy Garoppolo, who if everyone pays down for like, it's going to pay down for Garoppolo naturally in that game. Um, we don't have Josh Allen here, so you could pay up wherever you want. Yeah, there's just man, there's there's so many good options on this slate. It's an ugly but beautiful, amazing Mozart slate here. It's incredible. Mozart slate. Um, <laughs> Mozart play well, piano. I'm sorry, uh, Da Vinci. That's what I'm looking for. Vinci slate. There we go. Yeah. We could we could have both. Uh, we could have <laughs> Mozart as a as a playing music next week. Um, one thing we don't have to wait for uh, is our underdog card builder. We actually want to that as early in the, as in the week as possible because oftentimes we're going to get the um, best lines there. It's something we've been doing every week and it ties right into uh, what we want to do for DFS because a lot of these uh, you know projections or, or over-unders for players are often going to reflect what we're seeing in DFS in terms of ownership uh, and we can compare them to our projections and, and, and um, hopefully profit really, really nice. So every single week we have been sharing these plays and we're going to keep doing that um, with you guys this week so we can get that up on the screen. Uh, and I can start with one unless you have, have any any games that... Um, I got quite a few. So you start and then I'll, I'll lead us from there. So a play that I've... Um, that that really caught my eye this week was Nick, Nick Chubb at 71 and a half rushing yards. We have him projected at 98.2 rushing yards on four for four. Uh, I, I think this game, there's a lot of reasons to like this game. And I'm going to talk about the Baltimore side a little bit later, but one thing that I like about this game is I really like the over on it. Uh, Browns games have hit the over five out of six times by an average of nine points. And if this game does go over, if it does shoot out, I think it's because Nick Chubb has some really big runs. He leads the league in explosive runs, 10 plus yards. Uh, the, the Ravens are one of the worst teams in terms of, of allowing explosive runs. So I like the idea of this game hitting the over and a lot of it being because um, Nick Chubb has a nice game Ravens defense everybody talks about their secondary but they've kind of been a mess all over the place how are you, how are you feeling about Chubb there I agree with Chubb not only for our projections but these two teams since Lamar Jackson entered the rivalry in 2018 have averaged a combined 54 points to get one another um, I was actually going to bring a lot of this game to this slate we'll still talk about a little bit of it in depth but 
I'm I'm on hold because I want Mark Andrews. I just need Mark Andrews in this game to have a lot more confidence for it. But at the same time, like if Mark Andrews is available, and honestly, maybe not. Maybe if we get chalk, stone minimum, Isaiah likely, uh, this game is exciting, honestly. I think it goes overlooked this weekend. Yeah, I mean, as you can see, um, if you like that that over there, um, you know, there there are a couple numbers there. His 83 and a half rushing plus receiving yards is lower than our rushing yard uh, projection alone. Obviously, you're getting a little bit closer there. So we like the rushing yards prop a little bit more. Um, but but there are some some pretty low numbers on Chubb across the board. Uh, is there anyone else? Is there someone you want me to uh, to go to um, here? Uh, stay at the top, Leonard Fournette. We have him projected for roughly 22 carries and what is going to be, we assume, we said this about the, the Bucks last week at the Steelers, and I know it didn't work out that way, but the Steelers are far better than this Panthers rebuild going on right now. Uh, Underdog has him for 16 and a half, 16.9 rush attempts. Like I yeah. said earlier, we have him for far more. We are going over the underdog line, and it's because the Panthers... Last week, the same starting quarterback, P.J. Walker, who's starting this week, there was only one completion over five yards in, of air yards in that game. And that, that air yard completion went for six yards. Like, literally, this offense does nothing. They, they ran 44 plays after pacing for the fourth fewest plays of any team in the last decade in the NFL with 53 and a half up to that point of the season last week. And then they averaged also with P.J. Walker – 4.4 yards per play. Just, it's not even offensive to football. It's like <laughs> peewee, honestly. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you should not be here. What are we doing? So, no, uh, we are definitely betting on all the game script for the, for the Bucks, including yeah. Leonard Fournette overs. We will talk about that more in depth when we get to quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I mean, Tampa Bay favored by double digits. Uh, they should have fantastic game script. With As soon as, as CMC got traded, Carolina total dropped down. I believe it's down to 13 now, which is just insanely low. So uh, Tampa Bay should be pretty comfortable in and I this got, one. I got one more request for the people. Uh, can we see what underdog is at for Corey Davis? If you want to control F, Corey Davis receiving yards. because. Vegas they sports don't have books. a prop up for Davis right now. Ah, uh, they, they were smart and they pulled it. Yeah. Okay, no big deal. All right, well, we'll get that one away free. Uh, Vegas sports books like DraftKings, for example, I've, I'm sure it's in the Discord, still half him up at 31 and a half when this guy has led the team in receiving yards from Zach Wilson. Like, uh, we got to, you either got to pull that or bet the over. That's the only two options you have. So go bet Corey Davis over. What about Michael Carter under rushing attempts? since we did see a true takeover in usage for Brees Hall, who we all love, but last week's season highs in the percentage of running back carries and percentage of backfield touches he actually had. Like, we think it's truly a takeover this week. Yeah, I, I like the takeover. Um, I like the idea. I mean, if, if you're going to be on on the the over on the the – you know, any receiving total in that game, it makes sense that we're looking or thinking about correlated ideas. Obviously it's not a correlated bet. We're not betting both of them, um, but correlated ideas. And actually you see the jets, they've taken down all of the receiving props for the jets, except for rushing plus receiving for breeze hall. But I mean, look at that, look at that rushing plus receiving number. They have up for breeze hall 82 and a half. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty significant number considering they've been in the timeshare. So Michael Carter, under kind of makes sense, I, I believe. I think we see eye to eye. This is the this is the trio. 
this is the one that gets us back on track. All right. I, we- I'm, I think I'm one in three of my prime time slips right now, even though we're still up in units. Uh, but like I, like I said last night on Twitter, what is dead may never die. You can't kill us. I keep coming back. We're going to win this one for sure. All right. Are we sticking with the, with the, with the three entry for the six X? I think we do three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, who I, does we, two? We've been, we've been rolling. Oh no. I was just wondering if we want to go up one more, but, but I think, uh, three feels like the sweet spot for me. Um, you know, we don't want to get too frisky. Three for- is one condom. Yeah. Four, <laughs> four is raw dogging it. Like, I think we stick with yeah. three here. Yeah, I, I think four is more if you have, um, you know, if you have seven or eight picks that you really like and you're mixing and matching some some threes, um, you know, throw a four in there. But uh, four four is getting pretty risky. But uh, all right, so we got an all running back um, uh, slip. Um, as always, as we talked about, make sure you guys are, uh, you know, getting in on these as soon as possible because, I mean, last week between us starting the show and us going to click the number, it was already off. So um, make sure you guys are are clicking those as soon as possible. And hopefully, hopefully when we post them after the show, uh, the numbers are still up. If you haven't signed up for underdog yet, go to four com slash underdog. Use the promo code four for four. When you sign up for um, a new account only, and you will get a free four for four subscription with a 100% deposit match up to $100. Um, let's get back to the uh, positional picks um, to the, what everybody is here for. And you mentioned we are going to be talking about that Buccaneers game and you like the quarterback for the Bucks this week. I know people are vomiting in their mouth right now, but honestly, we have to try it again. Uh, fool me twice. I understand. Shame on me. But Brady, the past three weeks since everyone's been healthy, has averaged 48 pass tents per game. The This team, the Bucks, in that span are dropping back for a pass on 69% of early downs. Just a tremendous aggressive attack we want to continue to target. And at the same time, the results haven't been there, not only because Leonard Fournette has scored every touchdown for this team the past two weeks, but also Brady, think about how long he's been in the NFL, is averaging a career-low 3.2% touchdown rate. Uh, the Bucks have the fourth highest team total on this slate. I want to go right back since I have all the confidence in the world on the four guys that are going to get the ball. Deciphering between those is another problem we're going to have. But honestly, like pick your four between Evans, Godwin, Fournette, and Kate Otten, and you will get there, honestly. So I'm going to try it one more time because I understand the tournament mindset that people are sick of trying it. I think this is the week it happens. Can I ask the obvious um, cliche? question is, is for, what for, if they bench everyone no no is for net oh. the cash is for net the cash playing brady's a gpp play absolutely not oh. even close because yeah. there are two again in tournaments i really think everyone's going to pay down for garoppolo uh everyone sees a season high 41 pass attempts last week because of their injury report and the injury report is very similar this week against a, a chief's offense that against the best defense the bills they'll face literally all year they're number one in dvoa off defensively uh the chiefs still had eight completions of 15 yards and averaged over six yards per play. This 49ers defense wasn't stopping the chiefs anyhow, but with seven different injuries to the starters, they're, they're not definitely not stopping the chiefs now. And so everyone will pay down for Garoppolo, which makes me think, okay, then I get to sneak in Brady or like I mentioned earlier to lesser extent, Matt Ryan or Geno Smith. But if you ask me the, my favorite of the three, it's still Brady. Yeah, and if we look at at Brady, even if people don't, even if people don't end up paying down as much as we expect, Brady is almost a 
perfect price pivot off of Dak Prescott on both sides. So like that, we don't have Dak Prescott projected super high, but with that um, CD lamb ownership projection. And then I think as we get closer to the, to Sunday, that game probably just gets more popular. I think Dak could up in the end up in the double digits. Brady probably stays like low three, two, three percent ownership range, I believe. Uh, And on top of it, not just Brady, one of the most, tilting things last week was we got to lineup lock and in pretty much every tournament mike evans i think he was 19 percent in the millie he was like 24 percent in the contest that I, contests that i was playing um and when we were like we, we were exp- i don't remember who the late pop was um like there was jamar and someone else we were expecting for a little bit higher ownership as we got to sunday somehow mike evans people just still clicked on mike evans and and that was frustrating so i think we get to uh double down on on the idea of people kind of being not just off brady but obviously a lot of people clicked evans last week so it gives us uh, more opportunities for for people to have a sour taste in in their mouth with the bucks and that's why i struggle with josh jacobs cd land for instance because they are players at chalk projected ownership who also project high and ceiling when you look at our projections. The the difference for Dak Prescott is I that's a player when we're deciphering how to look at tournaments, that's a player I don't mind fading because he projects as chalk, even though we don't have him highly projected. So like I actually don't care about him whatsoever. Like the fact that we have him projected and we know people are going to get there in tournaments. Um, I understand why in a micro analysis perspective, they're actually rostering him. But if we don't have him for a high ceiling and he's high rostered, that's a player I can easily just take out of my pool. Not worried Absol- about whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, well, a player with the highest ceiling and our highest ceiling value on both sides is Lamar Jackson. But people it, still hate him because of how bad oh, yeah. he's been. Well, I mean, he went for he went he went QB one in back to back weeks and hasn't been higher than QB eleven in the last three. Uh, so so it feels like a roller coaster, but he's still the highest floor quarterback, one of the highest floor quarterbacks um, on this uh, in football. You can he's probably the highest ceiling quarterback on the slate with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts not on the slate. Um, eight eight hundred Fanduel, eight thousand DK. You're going to be paying for him, but. As we mentioned, there are some values where you should be able to pay for him pretty comfortably. Um, he is, prob- with all the value on the slate, I think he is my lock cash game quarterback. And then in tournaments, we already talked about uh, Nick Chubb, and I haven't. I, I talked about some other players on the Browns in my GPP write-up. The stack with Lamar is very obvious with Mark Andrews, but it's easy to get unique on the Browns side of it. Um, Baltimore's favored by six and a half. This game, the total is forty-five and a half, which is Low on the surface, but I mentioned how often Browns games have been going over this year. Cleveland 31st in EPA per play allowed. That includes 25th versus the pass and absolute dead last versus the run. Um, Baltimore is throwing at the eighth highest rate over expectation. Uh, and as I mentioned, he is our our top value on both sides. But it's by a really, really big margin. We kind of had this discussion with Josh Allen a couple weeks ago when he went nuclear. Relative, to, it's not just the top value at his position, but relative to the other players on the slate, the four for four value score sixty one percent higher than the QB two on DraftKings, more than double the value score of the QB two on FanDuel. So he's lapping the field in terms of value. It's, he's the highest price, but it's not like he's just projecting close to these guys. He's projecting so much higher than. In the field um even if he has like 12 percent, 13 percent, i think you could play him in tournaments I, I know you could play him in tournaments and he is uh the the cash game lock this week 
Brown's also a top five rate of explosive plays of 15 plus yards through the air this year and the sixth most yards per attempt allowed. That's why I want Andrews in this game, especially since we are getting Rashad Bateman back. Uh, That'll give me much more confidence, but definitely there's no doubt Lamar Jackson has the highest ceiling, even higher than Patrick Mahomes in this slate. And given his woes, and rightfully so, he's been terrible against the Blitz the last three weeks, whereas he was amazing three weeks prior. Um, Given his recent woes, I actually don't think he'll be rostered, which is great for us. We tried it last week against the Giants. Andrews got there. Lamar didn't. It's really a game where both could easily get there if we get Andrews here. Yeah, and it's just, especially on DK, it's just really hard to get to an $8,000 quarterback. So, you know, even if people want to, um, and and you're naturally going to bring Andrews along with him, who isn't expensive as Kelsey, but you're just taking up so much of your cap space by clicking those two players. It's going to, I think people will be a little averse to it. Um, We've seen them mix in other running backs, but J.K. Dobbins already rolled out. So hopefully Lamar takes advantage of uh, that with his legs uh, quite a bit this week. You mentioned that um, you you aren't worried about clicking on Dak, um, but you do like another Cowboy. No, no, I am worried about clicking on Dak. Right. Uh, but, uh, oh, you're, you're not I'm interested. Not, you're not I'm not worried about fading Dak. Dak. Yeah, 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 because everyone's clicking him when we're not even projecting him well. And this game includes a lot of volatility. And the best part about this next player is that I don't have to save it for the Discord because even if I hop him up, no one plays Ezekiel Elliott ever. No one ever wants to play Ezekiel Elliott. They hate him. When, understand, this is the best spot possible. Like, uh, the Lions have allowed the league's highest rate of explosive runs, 10-plus yards. They're the only defense permitting over four yards after contact per run. And more importantly, they're the only team allowing at least 25 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. There was a little bit of a infiltration with Tony Pollard last week. He did handle a season-high share of backfield touches here, but... We're not too worried about that since it it was it correlated with his shares 43% in weeks one and two. Uh, I don't think anything has changed from this backfield. The issue is that Zeke only has four touches inside the 10 yard inside the red zone because this team has been terrible. But with Dak Prescott back, I think we get this boost in offense. And if that's the case, we're getting Zeke back to actual red zone and touches inside the 10 yard line and on the goal line. So on FanDuel, it makes a lot of sense. Since we can catch up to Eckler's, Henry's, whatever's ceilings with touchdowns. Because we're if we play Zeke, we're expecting multiple touchdowns. We're not expecting like explosive runs, multiple touchdowns. And again, at, at 6,900, it's just an amazing spot. So yeah, I, I'm talking up Zeke. No one's going to play him. I don't care. I'm still going to play him. Last week was a weird week for the Cowboys too. That Sunday night game against the Eagles, they weren't getting blown out, but they were just getting manhandled. Like even though they were never down by like forty, it felt like they were down by forty. Cooper Rush. They were in a spot where you knew they were never going to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and Cooper Rush had his like you know the struck clock mid uh the the clock struck midnight game for him. The the two games prior to that, Zeke over seventy percent of the backfield touch share. I I almost wrote him up and got really nervous about it. So when I saw you um, were interested in it, it, it made sense. Um, uh, and it is a pretty obvious leverage play off of one of the chalkiest players on the slate. I, I'm still going to probably have a pretty hard time pulling the trigger on it. But I, I think there is a... There, there is a, a pretty wide range of outcomes for this game, at least in terms of the the score differential. I think Cowboys are going to be fine, but their defense and pass rush has been so good that there's a chance that that Detroit just doesn't push them at all, and the play is just like like Zeke Cowboys defense or something like that. 
I went out to lunch today, actually, with a 4-4 sub, by the way. I'm getting out there, nice. TJ. I'm a man of the people of the 4-4 now. And uh, he he actually paid the bill at the end. I tried to, but he paid the bill. And I'm saying that because he literally said, if you talk about Zeke, though, in your DFS pod, like you actually pay for next lunch. So I am willingly paying for lunch next time because that's how much I believe in Zeke in this spot. I'm right. putting my money where my mouth is. If you live in San Diego and you're a four for four sub and you buy me lunch, I'll talk about a player that you like on. <laughs> no, no. He, he didn't want me to talk about Zeke. That's the thing. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about Zeke because I believe right. in him. Also, if you live in Chicago and want to have a beer, like I live in <laughs> North, just hit me up. I'm fine. I want friends. All right, we're, I want friends. We're getting into the. Uh, I, I'm going to hit you guys with a couple of the chalkiest plays of the week, but uh, they're worth talking about because there's such good values this week. Starting um, with my running back play, Josh Jacobs. We we already mentioned that he's going to be one of the most popular players, but 86 Fanduel, 6500 on DraftKings is really what we're looking at. Seven points favorites against Houston on DK. Uh, he is. Priced as the RB11, we haven't projected as the RB5. Uh, he's second in backfield touch there, touch share on the season. He's one of five backs, over 80% of his team's backfield touches. The touchdown upside is ridiculous. So even though his um, Fandle salary is up there, he has a lot of touchdown equity. He's one of four players with at least 60% uh, of his team's touches inside the 10-yard line. We've seen his target share spike over the last couple of weeks. 5.7 targets over the last month is seventh amongst all running backs. Houston is arguably the biggest run funnel, at least if we look at schedule adjusted points allowed on four for four. They rank ninth against quarterbacks, 31st against running backs. They're also allowing the seventh highest explosive run rate, as Daigle pointed out in his write up today. So, from a projection standpoint and a value standpoint, Josh Jacobs is an absolute smash. He makes, uh, especially on DraftKings, he makes cash games very, very easy. I think cash games, as they have as they have been all year, are very straightforward on DraftKings. We've been crushing cash games, um, especially on DraftKings. So as we keep saying, hop in the 4-4 Discord. I mean, just the question is, how high is too high for Josh Jacobs? I mean... If he, I, I'm more likely to eat the chalk on a running back because we're really good at projecting them. But I mean, if he on, on DraftKings, if he's at 30, 35%, are we playing him? It's tough. This is, this is the question I keep coming back to because he's worth it. Like he, he really is to handle 90% of running back carries. Like you're, you're worth it in a spot you, we assume they will be in a good game script for Jacobs to handle touches. This is also like my spinoff from you, honestly, was I also like Damian Pierce because the Raiders are a bad football team. And like, of course the Texans can win this game and everyone's only thinking Jacobs. So you should have Pierce and skinny stacks as well, uh, especially after the bye. Maybe like the, the negative game script, if it were to come to that usage, we worry about for Pierce isn't a worry at all because they implemented him that over Burkhead over the bye. So 25%, I still think I'm okay with it. Again, I don't know yet if I'm playing it for sure, but is he yeah. an amazing play? Yes, he's an amazing play. Jacobs is. Yeah. But I still I, love Pierce. Yeah, the way I think about it is um, if I'm going to take on some of these super chalky players, I want to I want to get some benefit out of it, right? And if we say say a player gets to 35%, and they go, they go off. If you're not getting anything else out of that play or out of that game, you're not adding anything to uh, your your ability to to get ahead of the field. And what I mean by adding something to that, like 
maybe I'm stacking the game with a, a low on play, um, you know, on the other side, like a skinny stack. Maybe you throw in a Nico Collins on the other side. You know, if he hits big on one or two plays, that helps Josh Jacobs have his nuclear game. And sure, you're not gaining anything on the field by just playing Jacobs, um, but you have that Nico Collins bring along. That's just an example. I'm not saying Nico's a good player or anything, which he, he might be. I haven't thought about it, but he's just the guy that popped in my head. Um, or you do something like you saw a couple of weeks ago in that Seattle Detroit game. Again, I'm not saying this is the optimal play, but the way to think about it is if we do end up having a popular Josh Jacobs, a popular Foster Moreau, popular uh, Brandon cooks, how do they all get there where they go absolutely nuclear and they, the game goes over 90 points and you mega stack the game with six players from the game. Like we saw for, from that Detroit Seattle game a couple weeks ago. So sure you have the chalky players on the slate, but the game goes off. You have combinations that no one else has with six players in the game. And obviously if you have that many players in the game, one or two of them go off, you know, maybe you have a, a car Devante Josh Jacobs combo. So if I am taking on that much shock, that's kind of how I want to think about it. I don't want to just like throw that player in there and then not get the benefit. You can, it'll work. But I mean, that's just how I think about um, benefiting from a chalk play. Right now on Friday, I would say also leveraging, you know, you think about benefiting, I think about leveraging around or off a chalk play. And I yeah. would say, given Josh Jacobs' uh, 54% route rate since week two, whenever they basically implemented him as the pass-catching running back as well, I would say you can add Derek Carr to an icky quarterback slate, add Derek Carr to him, with Devontae Adams, play yeah. both of them, yeah. especially without Darren Waller. Like that's our that's our threesome right there with Damian Pierce or Brandon Cooks, who's gonna be more popular than Pierce, run back. I'd play it that way, honestly, or skinny stack Jacobs and Pierce, because again, Pierce is gonna be less rostered than Cooks. Yeah, running back, opposing running back, one of the most underrated combos. Um, people think about it as a negative correlation. On a, a league-wide level, running backs and opposing running backs have a slight negative correlation. In games where they go off, I, I don't the, the correlation is either like neutral or slightly positive, and we've seen multiple examples of tournament winners using that combination. So running back, opposing running back, definitely not off the table in GPPs. It's what we got to last week in the Discord with, um, you know, Kyler doubles <laughs> didn't get there. Like, as someone who played Kyler doubles everywhere, I promise you they did not get there. But we did get to the point where we had at least Kyler doubles at low ownership with Ken Walker runbacks. And uh, Ken Walker did get there. Uh, Kyler did not carry his own weight. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep on trying that. Um, let's check out receivers. And, and outside of, like, one or two obvious plays, it's actually like pretty tough to find it's some thin. values. It's thin, yeah. but but uh you you have two guys that I think a lot of people might overlook. Who's your first one? I like Alan Lazard a lot. I know everyone wants to avoid this Packers offense. And honestly, if it weren't so ugly, and maybe like when I talked about I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but I know on the Discord I talked about Carson Wentz two weeks ago as a Millie Maker quarterback. And um I think Aaron Rodgers is a Millie Maker quarterback too. I, I'm not going to have the stones to play him this week in like single entries, but is he an amazing play against the commander's defense? Absolutely. And more importantly, Alan Lazard is the only person in this offense showing competence. The last three games for Lazard since he returned and has been at full health, 8.3 targets per game, a 21% target share, and 13 fantasy points per game. And we know the commander's secondary is where he attacked them. They've allowed the fourth most, fourth most yards per target to boundary wideouts in particular. 
where Lazard is running more than Dobbs. So Dobbs is fine. Like Dobbs is actually a good sneaky play if you want to save salary too. Uh, Five thousand on DK, for instance, especially after nine targets, is a is a great play too. No one's going to play him, but I still like Lazard for the touchdown equity, and so that's the ra- that's the range I'm going to go. Yeah, I think I like the Packers this week. Um, I have they're, they're couple, sneaky good. Yeah. Now, when they score zero, don't get upset at yourself, but they're sneaky good. No, I, I have a couple of notes on them at the end of the podcast, but I, okay, good. I, I think that um, they're just in a – I think they're in a good spot against a really bad Washington team that, that is in flux for a couple of reasons. And I, I don't think the Packers go absolutely nuclear, but I think um, – we can see whether it be Alan Lazard or, or maybe one of the, the running backs. Um, I do think you could see like super concentrated points from them. So we don't always need teams to score 40 for them to be uh, tournament plays. And and I think the Packers kind of fall into that uh, category this week. So I, I, I'm kind of digging the Packers play a little bit. This week. I'm 100% going to have a just a burn my $20 Millie Maker Rogers Dobbs Lazard stack uh, with Samuel run back for sure. I like that a lot. Um, I said I was going to throw you guys the two chalkiest plays of the week and explain why they are the chalk. The other one of the week after Josh Jacobs is CeeDee Lamb, as we already mentioned, 7,700 on FanDuel, 6,800 on DraftKings in that game that uh, has shootout potential. We don't know if it's going to be a shootout or a blowout. Dallas is favored by seven. The total in that game is 48.5, which uh, the the – uh, Cowboys team total 27 and a half is time tied for the highest on the slate. CD lamb has been near the top of the league in target share since the beginning of the year. But over the last month, he leads the league in target share with Dak Prescott back under center. We should see their pass rate spike. It's been pretty low uh, with Cooper rush in there. They were 12th in neutral passing rate in week one with Dak. If we go back to last year over the course of the entire season, they were eighth in passing rate over expectation. Both of these teams are top 10 in neutral pace. And uh, Detroit is a defense that you can attack pretty much any which way you like. They're one of two teams like 20th or worse in schedule adjusted fantasy points to every position. And they're also allowing the most fantasy points per target to wide receivers lined up in the slot. CD Lamb moves around a lot, but he also leads the team in slot targets. So he should be able to dominate them there as well as all over the field. And by a pretty hefty margin, he is our top value wide receiver on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Sam Hoppins breakout wide receiver model also features Michael Gallup, which I, I yeah. think is a legitimate pivot with Dak back and tournaments away from CeeDee Lamb as a player that two catches is all he needs to, to break the slate. So I, I'm also tinkering with Gallup and I'll likely add him to my player pool article on 444 by Saturday morning. Yeah, uh, I mean, CD, like he, he's not going to show up in our breakout model right now because it, it looks at uh, rolling three game data. But he went, uh, I believe it was 22, 21 uh, points down to 12 and 11. So, I mean, just from a from a two week sample, you can say he's he's due for a another um, mini breakout after showing his his ceiling uh, a couple weeks before that with Dak back. I mean, I think he um, I think he has. Jamar Chase from last week written all over him. The problem is you're going to be playing him at 25 to 30%. So just keep that in mind. But uh, again, him, Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson, cash game cornerstones. Um, not even thinking about it. Completely agree. Uh, talk to me about the Titans and the Colts. We are having issues on DraftKings clearly and finding value at wide receiver. And so when you ask me who is my favorite value Salary saber wide receiver, it is Alec Pierce right now because 
of not only the increasing target share, he dipped back down to 12% last week, not worried about it, because we expect at least more volume from this Colts offense from what they did last week. Uh, yeah. Ran a league-high no-huddle rate. 44% of snaps came in no-huddle, which tells you they concertedly try to be a faster offense. But more importantly, uh, league-high rate in pass play rate from neutral game scripts, and Ryan averaged his fastest time from snap to throw, 2.3 seconds. Literally three-step drops, delivering the ball quickly. He only has nine passes, 20 yards downfield this year. And Michael Pittman's longest target this year is 17 yards. So the thing is, with Alec Pierce accounting for five of these nine deep targets, Alec Pierce also has a ceiling at 4,600, I believe, on DraftKings to go along with a more voluminous offense as long as they keep its approach moving forward, the Colts do. So I, I with the... Titans allowing a league high 114 yards per game to opposing boundary receivers where Pierce plays in three wide sets. I think Pierce is your best salary saver this weekend. Yeah, I, I think the um, counter to that point from, from last week might be that Jonathan Taylor wasn't playing and he'll be back this week. But but what but then you look at Tennessee and how you've attacked him. You mentioned the boundary receivers. They're a top 10 defense in terms of schedule just points allowed to running backs, but uh, 27th or worse against both quarterbacks and wide receivers, 31st against wide receivers. So they are one of the biggest pass funnel defenses in the league. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a different beast, but um, I, I I think that Indy sees that they can do that. They've. I think they should. Obviously, they they are going to be a run first team, but I, I think they realized last week that they can throw a little bit and, more than they have been. And honestly, like again, I, I use these narratives to eliminate my pool most weeks. I think it's for real though. This voluminous narrative because of the no huddle rate. I, that's why I didn't even mention their sixty four dropbacks because okay, well you passed a lot because you didn't have John Taylor, no big deal. But the fact you were concertedly moving faster as well, that to me matters, and that's why I think it could be maybe not. Uh, so if anyone wants to eliminate the Colts from their player pool, that's okay too. But honestly, I think it could be for real. Yeah, I I think um, I'm gonna have to look at Pierce because I don't have him in my cash game pool, but and I, I actually don't have that game. If you need the salary, I honestly that. think he could sneak in there. Honestly. Yeah, I, I like that um, a lot. The, this guy isn't quite as cheap, but we've talked about this game a couple of times: the Raiders and the Texans. And Brandon Cooks at 6,300 Fanduel, six thousand dollars DraftKings. He isn't popping like crazy in our value model or any of our models for that matter. Matter, but he has been. Um, one of the the safer floor plays, at least in terms of volume this year. He's uh, he's one of nine players that has seen at least 20% of his team's targets in every game. Houston's passing volume has been down a little bit over the past couple of weeks, but they're probably going to be forced to throw it a little bit more if the game script goes as expected. Uh, seven point underdogs this week. Raiders are the biggest pass funnel per schedule adjusted points allowed. They're fourth against running backs, last against quarterbacks, 20th against wide receivers. So that should bode well for Mills and cooks um the raiders are also if we're talking about game script and if they can keep this close and the possibility of, of a shootout if texans can play good raiders are one of 14 where four of their games have gone over the game total and of that group they're the only team that has only played five games so four of their five games have gone over the total they it's gone over every single week since week one 
underrated aspect of Brandon Cook's game. Uh, he's second in the league in end zone target share. So when they have got down there, not just red zone share, when they're throwing it in the end zone, it's went to Cooks almost exclusively. It's two-thirds of their, their end zone targets have went to Cooks. They just haven't had a ton of them to go around. So actually, uh, usually um, Cooks' volume, uh, we, we talk about him as a DraftKings floor play. I actually like him at 6,300 with touchdown equity as a, as a FanDuel play more so this week. And Chris Allen has mentioned Davis Mills as one of his preferred streaming options for redraft leagues, which tells you that he also believes in the Texans passing game. I still think for DFS purposes, because again, we're just playing a math equation. We're just saying, actually, everyone thinks this is well, so we have to, whether we want to or not, to win, to get to the top. We have to do the opposite thing in playing Damian Pierce. Uh, that's what I'm doing for tournaments. But is Brandon Cooks an amazing option? Of course, he's a great option. Also, we talked about maximizing leverage at the beginning of the podcast, our decision point, um, thinking about C.D. Lamb versus Josh Jacobs. C.D. Lamb's in the early window. The Raiders-Texans game is in the late window. So if we end up with four chalky players in the late window, you can start with them, and then you have a ton of uh, late swap uh, flexibility because they're not starting until 405. So keep that in mind. If you do start a lineup with Josh Jacobs, Brandon Cooks, maybe Damian Pierce, uh, maybe uh, Foster Moreau, uh, that, that you are going to be able to, to switch those around depending on um, our early slate information. So always nice when the chalk is in the late window because we could use the information. Back to the Buccaneers. Uh, how popular is this player going to get and how much are we playing him regardless? Here's the thing. I actually don't think K-Dotton will get that popular mm -hmm. because we're, we're making a blood oath on the podcast. We're not saving it for the Discord. We're telling everyone you can't play Greg Dulcich in tournaments. You just can't. Uh, for, for the usage, for a 10% target share, for one of the worst offenses in the league with maybe a backup quarterback or maybe an injured, terrible starter, you can't follow the ownership. So you got to find a way off of stone men Greg Dulcich. And thus, if you're doing that, Maybe K. Dotton's there at 9 to 12%. Maybe. He should be higher owned, though. That's the thing. Because we've already seen what happens when Cam, when Cam breaks out. Cam breaks out this week. And that is, Auden, two weeks ago, had seven targets for a 13.5% target share and a team-high two red zone targets. Ran a route on an elite 86% of dropbacks in that game. Uh, I love Auden both as a standalone value and stacking option with Onslaught Brady or just one of their wide receivers. Pick your poison. But if you tell me Dulcich or Otten in tournaments, it is bar none. Not even close. It's Otten every time. Yeah, one of the... Um... I don't know if shortcomings is the right word. One of the biggest struggles with having... Uh... John Paulson's projections being so good is that the ownership projections uh, feed directly from the uh, the fantasy projections. The better a fantasy player projects relative to salary, the higher his ownership projection is going to be. Dulcich is a player that was not projecting great on four for four, but I had already I already knew the buzz was starting around him. So like when especially on DraftKings when you have that twenty five hundred tight end. Um, if he's projecting good elsewhere, he's just going to be popular. So I still went a little bit lower than I, I on the initial projections. I, I put him like sub 20%. I think he, I, I think if a, a cheap tight end with Darren Waller out now, I think it's Foster Moreau that flip flops there. I still think because we get one thing I, I've really started to notice or, or just not been good at adjusting to, I think early week bias stays with ownership projections. So I, I think Dosich will be the second most popular tight end behind Moreau. My point is 
I don't think Kate Otten gets steamed because of those two guys. So, so yeah, don't play Dulcich, but I do think Foster Moreau steals a lot. We look at it like cheap salary range. And I like um, Moreau. And, and, That's okay. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times like one guy runs away with it, but it's, it's just hard for three guys in a similar salary range to all be popular. And I think Kate Otten, um, I, I don't think he gets too popular, even if all small field stuff this week. Yes, I I agree. And the player you're about to talk about, I like even more because he's slightly more expensive and thus no one's going to roster him, even though they don't recognize that a player behind him is injured, thus giving him more opportunity. Yeah, Gerald Everett, 6,300 FanDuel, $4,000 DK, kind of in a no man's land in terms of salary. I think it's going to be a studs or a duds approach to tight end this week because we have the three players we just mentioned that are at or near minimum salary. And then we have Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews um, up at the top. So I, I just don't think a lot of people are going to go into this uh, weird salary range against Seattle. Uh, already kind of talked about this game a little bit as one that could be popular, but a 50 point over under the only one on the slate at 50. Uh, both of these offenses are top 11 in neutral pace. Both are top three in um, in passing rate over expectation. Seattle's defense, we didn't get all of the fireworks last week that we were hoping to get from Arizona and Seattle, but Arizona was actually moving the ball just fine. They just kind of sputtered when they got on the right side of the field, but Seattle still bottom 10 in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks and dead last against tight end. And I don't, this play doesn't hinge on Keenan Allen playing because I actually wrote up that you could play Keenan Allen and Gerald Everett together. But if Keenan Allen doesn't play Josh Palmer and Donald Palmer are already out, if Keenan Allen doesn't play it boosts Everett. Um, I would argue more than anybody. Obviously Michael Williams is the wide receiver one. If Keenan Allen is out, but you can really attack the interior of the Seattle defense. They've allowed the fourth most fantasy points per target to players lined up in the slot. Everett is seventh among all tight ends in targets from the slot. So um, even if Allen plays, I, I like Everett as a, uh, a, 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 in a double with um with herbert but i would argue if allen doesn't play that everett is a standalone play and i hope allen plays honestly for tournament i do too i, I, I want to play him given all the slot rep uh slot statistics you mentioned plus like seattle also allowing the second most yards per target 9.9 .9, roughly 10 to opposing slot receivers so yeah i definitely want the slot player here uh on slot not on slot but double stack justin herbert Herbert, Eckler, and Mike Williams or Allen or Everett, they're all in play, definitely. And, and I, I think it'll boost the team's success, EPA, stats, because Herbert's averaging 43 pass attempts per game. Just nothing's happening, though, in the results. I, I think they really need Allen a lot more than other people think. So if Allen plays, like I actually think the offense will just be more successful outright. Yeah, Allen isn't a player that's going to um, move the needle across the industry in terms of ownership projections or even overall projections. But as far as like we're concerned at four for four, I think it's going to have a lot to do with how how much we are changing what we're doing Sunday morning. It's always fun when we get all of our articles submitted on on Friday morning DFS articles, and like we just are kind of all in lockstep, and we are very chargers heavy in terms of what we like this week so um it's you know a good, it's a good slate for herbert yeah. it's a really yeah. good slate yeah i like herbert too um any defense stand out to you this week uh, a few like you should try and pay up especially on an ugly slate if you can get the salary for bucks because the bucks are gonna just run them over the panthers but at the same time if you want to pay down and we can't say the jets or unless you want to say the jets but uh I i'll say the giants uh, Trevor Lawrence under pressure this year has still been miserable, literally 35th in completion rate, 
four and a half yards per attempt with seven picks under pressure. And we know Wink Martindale is still sending the highest rate of blitzes in the league. So maybe they get there, maybe they don't. But in a game where no one knows what to do with, like I think playing the the Giants defense will actually be kind of contrarian. And unfortunately, trust me, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have this. I'd do away with defenses altogether. But winning tournament lineups have just consistently had 1% defenses. You look at every single angle, and it's always 1% defenses around the Jets at 2,600 on DraftKings. I think the Giants will be roughly 1%. Um, going into last week, I, I believe it was going in last week. It might've been two weeks ago. I, I put a tweet out that showed, um, how top 1% lineups had spent at defense and it, like we'd seen in the past, it was, um, pretty consistent spend down in defense, um, a little bit higher than we'd seen in the past, but, but still like around a 26, $2,700 average on DraftKings. Um, on FanDuel, you can almost always afford to pay it for defense if you want, but, um, I noted, I don't remember, remember if it was on this show or on, in Discord, that the uh, defensive pricing had started getting very, very sharp on DraftKings. It's almost a perfect correlation with salary versus um, the point spread. And we saw that start to flip last week. The winning defense and the defense that showed up a lot was the Cardinals at 3,300 at 0.6%. So I think with defense salary being pretty sharp it's never going to be like perfect just because defense mm -hmm. is so high variance i think living in that not super high tier but like middle ish to high tier um at least for now is going to be pretty beneficial like the the, the punt plays have just been absolutely atrocious or they're just getting crazy high ownership like the jets on DraftKings are probably just going to be crazy popular i'm, crazy. Just, I'm just not playing 15 20 defenses i don't care if i lose right. every week. i'm just not doing it completely agree um, speaking of that middle to high range, and I said I had one quick note on this team at the end, the Packers, 4,500 Fandle, 3,400 DraftKings. They're only favored by four and a half against Washington, but Washington's 18.25. Team total is the third lowest on the slate. Uh, obviously, we've seen Taylor Heineke play decent, um, play in the playoffs, has a little bit of Konami code to him. But uh, when, when you can get a team playing the backup quarterback on a team that's already been struggling, I want to attack that, especially when it's a team that can get after the quarterback. Green Bay's fourth in uh, football outsiders adjusted sack rate. Washington bottom half of the league in adjusted sack rate allowed. I, I said I don't think this game goes nuclear on the offensive side. Some of that has to do with the fact that I think the Packers defense has a really good day. So whether it be Alan Lazard with the Packers defense or, um, or one of the running backs with the Packers defense, position with – team defense works it's not it doesn't always have to be running back pass catcher team defense is a stack that works so i don't see myself pulling the trigger on aaron Rodgers. um but i hope you win a million dollars with it but i will i do definitely like the idea of packers minis including their defense that's why i mentioned it millie because i'm willing to eat that 20 dollars. yeah man not not uh not we're, not we're not putting them in the thunderdome we'll throw them in the middle no absolutely not uh as always um you know those are our favorite values of the week but we things just evolve going into Sunday. Uh, if you want to get our last second thoughts and everything that we're doing leading up to kickoff, whether it be cash games, GPPs, single entry or mass multi-entry, make sure you get into the four for four discord. We go live 10 45 AM every Sunday morning, answer all the questions, talk about every single angle we can and chat up until kickoff, even after we're done talking. So go to four for four.com sign up for $74 DFS. So that is down from $99. And as uh, we mentioned earlier when we're building our underdog cards, we're talking about those in the Discord as well, not just the ones we build on here, but for 
every single sport that that we have experts on throughout the week. Almost every single day we're posting our picks in there. So go to 444.com slash underdog or use the promo code 444 on underdog when you sign up for a new account and get a free DFS sub plus a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you would like to help us, please rate and review uh, the podcast on whatever audio platform you're listening to. Five stars would much uh, be appreciated. If you're on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. It helps out a ton. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. Daigle is at not J, uh, not J Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. 444 is at 444 Football. We will talk to you guys on Sunday morning.